following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Okay, so um, we're going to get a chance to see the principles that we have been examining over and over over the last few weeks put to work uh, in this scene here. So I'm not going to give any more introduction than that. So let's just jump into Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. It was, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And he begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, as we come to your word, we ask that your spirit would speak. We ask that you would show us ourselves in your word show us our savior that you would use our time in the great gift that is the bible for your glory and our good that we would know you better we would follow you more closely we would grow to be more like you we love you we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So, this is a very significant event in the gospel record so far. Do you know why? I'll tell you right off, it isn't because of the pigs. You're reading ahead again. In order for us to fully understand the given 
the, the meaning of any given text of Scripture, we have to explore its meaning to its original audience, right? Because the Bible can never mean to us what it didn't mean to them. The application might be different because our context is different, but the meaning is always the same, always has been and always will be. And if we skip over this part of considering the, the meaning to the original audience, we're not going to understand the true meaning for us of any part of Scripture. So the first thing that we need to consider is where this event took place, right? Um, Luke calls it the region of the Gerasenes. Uh, this is a region on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, obviously, from the, from the account, and it's near what's called the Decapolis, which uh, just means the ten cities. So there are, there are ten cities all close together in this region. I've been to this region. It's a beautiful place, and there are steep banks on this side of the hill where you could imagine pigs might stumble if they were walking around. Um, what also makes this uh, significant is that this is not a predominantly Jewish area. Um, in Israel, the people living here were a mix of of Jewish and Syrian and Greek people living in the Decapolis. Now, I don't know if you picked up on this uh, from the reading of the text, but there was also a lot of pig farming. That's not really a Jewish thing, uh, pig farming. Um, Mark records in his account of this, if his record of this account. About 2,000 pigs were drowned in this incident. Okay, so that's, that's more pigs than I have. Um, that's a lot, a lot of pigs. Um, also, there was at least um, one demon-possessed man. If you look at Matthew's account, uh, Matthew's record, he mentions two demon-possessed men. Um, Luke only pays attention to one, and Mark only pays attention to one. Uh, either way... It's not a contradiction. Luke and Mark chose to talk about one, and Matthew mentioned them both. Uh, either way, there is at least one demon-possessed man living among the tombs, the place of the dead. So what's significant about those details? Not just for trivia night. Um, first and most simply, that this is Jesus' first contact with the Gentile world. This, Jesus left the Jewish area of Galilee where everybody that lived there was Jewish or a Roman soldier. So you're either stationed there or grew up there. And he goes to this other place where there are not Jewish people. Now remember that a Gentile is simply anyone who is not Jewish. Uh, Greeks and Syrians are not Jewish. Um, and those Jews who would choose to live among those people were most likely looked down on by the rest of the Jewish world. Now, for, uh, for a Jew to associate with a Gentile in, this, in the first century would make them ceremonially unclean. And that's a big deal. Um, to have contact with pigs, a, a, a cloven-hoofed animal that chews the cud. This is not a kosher animal. It would... Contact with a pig would make them unclean, right? This is all part of the, the Levitical laws. 
To have contact with dead bodies makes a person unclean. And so for a Gentile man to be filled with unclean spirits around a herd of pigs in the tombs where the dead people are, you can't get any uncleaner than this. Okay? So along comes Jesus. Pulls up to the shore near the tombs, near a huge herd of pigs in a Gentile country, and he's confronted by a man with an unclean spirit who also is naked. There's uncleanness about seeing a naked person as well. (laughs) Right? Lots of uncleanness here. This man who was plagued by demons, who could not be bound. For a long time, it says he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house, but lived among the tombs. This guy was as unclean as you could get. This guy was as bad off as a person could be. Now, think back if you were here or listened or heard or read or whatever, the sermon from last week. Do you remember the gifts of the storm given to the disciples? Your stunned silence is very reassuring. (laughs) The first gift of the storm last week was a reminder to the disciples of their powerlessness. A reminder of their powerlessness. This poor man was utterly powerless. The disciples felt that powerlessness in the face of the storm on the sea. This man felt it every day, every minute. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. There's some significance here in this statement uh, from these demons. Is that even demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What they don't do is repent and ask for forgiveness. Uh, James mentioned that too when he says, he, writing to his audience, says, you believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe that and shudder. That's a warning that just agreeing with the facts, agreeing with historical accounts is not saving faith in Jesus. It's trusting the Son of God for the forgiveness of our sins and the leading of the rest of our lives. That's saving faith. Even demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In verse 30, Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not, they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now, we don't know exactly how many demons are present in this account. We do know that a Roman legion, where this word comes from, 
has as many as 6,000 soldiers in it. Um, and Mark records this legion going into around 2,000 pigs. So I think it's safe to say, um, scientifically speaking, there were a lot. I, there were a lot. A lot of demons. Even so, thousands of demons were forced to bow down at the feet of Jesus the Almighty. This reminds us of the second gift the disciples were given in the storm out on the lake. The reminder of Jesus' almightiness. And here we see it in action again. The disciples have seen Jesus' power over sickness, Jesus' power over death, Jesus' power over nature in the storm, and now Jesus' power over demons, over the spiritual realm. John Calvin wonderfully and simply said, the whole of Satan's kingdom is subject to the authority of Christ. It's so easy for us to nod and say amen. But the reality of that is so far-reaching. When we look out at this world and we see how bad things have gotten and how out of control things seem, and we give Satan credit for all the bad stuff that's going on in the world and start, start to feel that powerlessness, the reality is we're right. We are powerless over those things. But Jesus isn't. Jesus has power over the demons. He has power over Satan. He has power over all of those forces. That's important for us to remember because we know whose side we're on. Amen? So now, the pigs. The pigs, this is the part where Alistair Begg says the home Bible studies get totally derailed because of the pigs. So this legion of demons begged Jesus not to command them to depart into the abyss. Right, does that pique your curiosity at all? Right. This may be a reference to the bottomless pit described in Revelation chapter 9, also in verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 3. If you want to look that up, I don't know for sure, but that's the other abyss mentioned in Scripture, Revelation 9, 11, and, and uh, chapter 20, verse 3. Some, co some scholars confidently claim that the legion of demons means hell. Don't cast us into, into that abyss, which I think is based on a poor understanding of what hell is uh, according to Scripture, and that is a discussion for another time. We can derail a whole other home Bible study with that because there's lots to talk about there. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, verse 32, and they begged him to enter these, so he gave them permission then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. So this legion of demons recognizes Jesus' power over them and their inability to operate without his permission. So they beg him to let them enter the herd of pigs. Okay, Goodbye, home Bible study, because now we're going to talk about what does Jesus have against pigs? I had a pet pig 
and I loved it. I once had a German shepherd that everyone thought was possessed. Maybe he had a demon, right? Was, can, can demons still possess animals? Was Cujo based on a true story? <laughs> Believe it or not, the pigs have almost nothing to do with the point of this story. That's the problem. Wise scholars like our friend J.J. Van Oosterzee say this, why did the demons desire to go into the swine is a question which we, as so far as we are concerned, can answer only with a confession of the entire incompetence of our intelligence on this mysterious ground. Those are wise words. Why did the demons want to enter the pigs? Well, that's what J.J. Van Oosterzee, but he got paid to write books, so he didn't use more words than that. John Calvin wrote, while the reason of it is not known by us with certainty, it is proper for us to behold with reverence and to adore with devout humility the hidden judgment of God. Sometimes God is going to do things, say things, and allow things we don't understand. Is that okay with you? Uh, Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right? The truth is the question of the pigs is not even worth considering if it means that we take our eyes off the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Or we can focus on the pigs and why did they go into the lake and fall off a cliff and can't pig swim? That's a lot of pigs. They ruin these people's lives. If we forget about what Jesus just did for this poor man... We're missing the story. We're missing the whole point. Verse 34, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found a man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. You should have seen it. That crazy nut job, right, that we can't chain up and lives out in the cemetery. All of a sudden, this guy comes along in a boat, says something to him, and then the pigs take off, and now this guy's back to normal. Wow. Now, in our, our uh, theological piety and snobbery, we would say, well, we would definitely welcome that you know, that guy in the boat, let's hang out with him. What else could he do? Instead, these people are terrified and say, this dude is ruining everything. That's 2,000 pigs that just, they're worthless now. You just ruined our lives. Our livelihood is now at the bottom of the lake. Please go away. You have upset the apple cart. Everything is on its ear because of you, and we would rather you stop. That's what they were like. We're never like that. Right? No, no. Jesus, Jesus, please just stop messing with my life. Can you please just leave things alone? I guess I'm the, I'm the only one there, so... Here's where the formerly demon-possessed man received the third gift. 
the gift of worship. He had been cleansed by the Lord Jesus, clothed by the disciples, and he sat down at Jesus' feet in reverence. But where the newly cleansed man worshipped Jesus and wanted to stay with him, the people of the surrounding country wanted nothing to, Jesus, nothing to do with Jesus. They wanted him out of there. And sadly, this still happens every day. When all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Now, I'm just guessing about why those people rejected Jesus here. I don't really know. It's impossible to know. They must have known the man. They must have known the state that he was in before, but it didn't seem to matter them, matter to them. Maybe they're afraid of losing more pigs. Maybe they're just content with the way things were and they didn't want anybody stirring up trouble. What's curious to me is that Jesus granted the request of the Legion of Demons. He granted the request of the people who rejected him and got back in the boat and left. Who's the only person who didn't get what they asked for? The man with the legion of demons. The only person's request that he didn't grant was the one who actually trusted him. He just wanted to go with him so that he could be with him. Can you blame him? Isn't that what you want? You hear echoes of this in your own life, in your own thoughts? I was talking with a friend last week about wanting the Lord to come back so that we didn't have to deal with all the junk of this world, just make all of this garbage stop. But we were both reminded in our conversation that every day the Father waits to send Jesus back, to send Jesus back for his church to collect us to be with him. Every moment he waits is a kindness and not a curse. It's another day that millions of people can come to faith in Jesus Christ. If it's up to me, he comes back and we get to be with him forever. But what about everybody else? The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with them. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. What would have happened if Jesus took the man with him? What if he said, Come on, buster. Jump in the boat. Let's go. You don't want to be around these pig lovers. Let's go to Galilee. There's no pigs and uh, everything's good over there. What would have happened? He would have left no one to declare what God had done in a positive light. All the people who were afraid 
all of the people who witnessed this event, they were not praising God with their story. They're like, some guy comes in a boat, and then the crazy guy, and then the pigs. It was awful. Where are we going to get our bacon? That wasn't funny, but it's a crime. If Jesus had taken the man back to Galilee with him, there would be no one to declare what had happened to him, no one declaring what God had done through Jesus. He left him there as a witness. The same reason that we are left here, to be his witnesses, to declare just how much God has done for us. In the person of one man, Christ exhibited to us a proof of his grace, which is extended to all mankind. Though we are, we are not tortured by the devil, yet he holds us as his slaves until the Son of God delivers us from his tyranny. Naked, torn, disfigured, we wander about until he restores us to soundness of mind. It remains that in magnifying his grace, we testify our gratitude. Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Where do you live? If this isn't the ends of the earth, I don't know what it is. We are to be his witnesses, testifying what Jesus has done for us. And that is a great gift. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for what you have done for us. That for many of us, you have delivered us from our own sin, the penalty which we deserve. I pray, Lord, if anyone is in the sound of, uh, within the sound of my voice and they have not received that great gift, that they would call out to you in faith. Receive the gift of salvation through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross was enough to pay the penalty for their sin, for our sin. And that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit as you have filled us. Adopt them as your children. Lord, we're so grateful for the great gift that you've given to us. You've given us your word, your spirit, your son. You've given us everything. And we're forever grateful. We love you, Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890. 